This is the Date Night Podcast with Amber and Kurt. Welcome back to the Date Night Podcast. I'm Amber. And I'm Kurt. And we are very delinquent in our podcast. So delinquent. But we've, we have found time. Yep. And Nay, made time. Correction. We made time. And we are currently sitting out on our back little screened-in patio. Yes. So there's a lot of, what would you call, ambient noises? Is that ambient noises? Ambient noises, yes. So we have a child hitting baseballs. A uh, child... On the little, like, swing-away thing. Yeah. So it, you'll hear, you'll probably hear, like, a ding. clear baseball bat ding and then, like, a thud where it hits the basketball ball again. Yeah. And we have a child doing um, art projects. So, yeah. A lot and, of noise. And I either have allergies <laughs> or I have a summer cold. I don't know which, but I'm probably going to sniffle. Okay. Yeah. So so there's that. But we're glad to be back. Glad to be back. Um, did I say, did we say our introductions? I don't even remember. Uh, yeah. You okay. said, I'm Amber, and I said, I'm Kurt. Oh, okay. okay. Welcome back. I, I forgot. I forgot already. See? Yep. Out of the habit. I know. Golly. Super out of the habit. Golly. But... We have an old faithful subject. We do. Subject, not subject. Uh, No, no. Uh, Segment. That's the word I was looking for. Segment. Old faithful. Old faithful. Double old faithful. Yes. So we unknowingly each found a that happened story. Yes. We were, we did this separately and we ended up both. Yeah. So. Yes. I did very little homework. So mine will be very short. And mine was one that I, I had earmarked for the, for whenever we were going to podcast again. And we were very, we were so delinquent that I, uh, embarrassingly delinquent that I never got to use it and I wanted to use it. So that's where we're at. Here we are. Here we are. You so, want to, you want to start or you want me to start? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Amber. Yeah. Um, you, you, you and I and some friends of ours were in a brewery, um, last week. Uh-huh. And we watched what on 4th of July? Like, on 4th of July, what did we watch? The hot dog eating contest. Yes. And it was gross. Um, It's not the most appetizing thing to watch when you're eating in yeah. a restaurant. Not gross, like, I can't believe they would eat that many. Like, literally, like, the act of doing this was gross. It's unappetizing. Yes. Well, this is not the only game in town. Okay. In In terms of eating competitions. Okay. In Florida, last week, okay. was the Key Lime Pie Eating Contest. Okay. The national, I don't know why they call it national. It was in Florida. It's a, it's a Florida thing. But anyway, you'll never guess who won it. Who? A guy from Iowa. What? A guy from Altoona, Iowa. What? Won the Key Lime Pie Eating Contest. How many Key Lime Pies did he eat? It's not a how many, it's a how quick. Oh. Yep. It's a how quick. It's a how quick. So it's a nine inch key lime pie. Okay. So standard key lime pie. Yeah. Uh, they have their hands tied behind their back and they can oh, only no. use their faces, their face hole. You can only use your face hole, right? Head you, headlong into this key lime pie. Okay. What What would you, th- I mean, again, these are, this is an so eating do you competition. Have to, do you have to have like the platelet clean? Oh, that I don't. I didn't do nearly enough homework to know the actual regulations. I just know we won. Okay. Uh, how, if you were going to guess, 
what a winning key lime pie eating time for one standard nine inch key lime pie, not using your hands. How quick do you think that would be? 23.4 seconds. 35 seconds. Golly. This guy downed a whole key lime pie with just his face hole in 35 seconds. Does he have to keep it down or did he barf afterwards? Well, it's only one pie. But in 35 seconds, you know how miserable you would feel? Yeah, I don't have those answers either. I just know, I saw a picture of them holding up his arm like a boxer. And he was, in his other hand, he was holding up a belt. His mother would be so proud. Uh, he's actually a, a, an engineer. Oh boy. From Iowa, from Altoona. Okay. Anyway, in case you didn't know it, Amber, that happened. That happened. Okay. Well, so I have a, that happened. Okay. It's not anywhere close to your that happened. No competitive food? No competitive food. So this is actually a story um, that came out about a month ago. So this one's a little dated. But like I said, it was fitting, kind of. When we wanted it. When we wanted it. Um, so in Ecuador, I'm not even going to attempt to say that the city because I don't know how okay. to pronounce it. Okay. But a woman, a 76 year old woman uh-huh. was at a hospital uh-huh. and she passed away. Okay. And so they brought her to the funeral home uh-huh. and they put her in the casket or they put her in the casket at the hospital. Anyway, she was in her casket. She was in a casket. In a casket. Okay. And the family... No, I'm scared. I think I... Oh, no. Keep going. Um, the family um, was at her wake. And... Um, as, You're really struggling here. Well, I, yes. So, at her wake, her family heard her... Oh, no. Knocking no. on the casket. She wasn't dead. She wasn't <gasps> dead. No. So they quickly open the casket, find her breathing. No, this is the stuff nightmares are made of. Rush her to the hospital. She spent seven days in intensive care and then passed away. No. And the quote from her son was, my mom, this time... My mom really did die. Aww. Aww. But yes. Aww. She did did the did did the false casketing did that have a, a hand in her eventual demise? Like w would she have survived had they not like trapped her in this casket? Um I don't it didn't sound like that. Um she uh she died from a stroke. Oh. So it didn't sound like that, like the one led to the other, like, but uh -huh. yeah. That is, that's awful. I knew, I knew when you said put her in the <laughs> casket and then you stumbled, I knew that she was still alive in the casket. That, that's the stuff nightmares are made of, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah. What would you do? What would I do if someone... You woke up and you were in a casket. 
I, like, would you? You wouldn't even know it was a casket. You just know you're stuck somewhere. You would feel like you were buried alive. I guess. Yeah. You you'd have no idea where you were. Mm -mm. Oh, mm -hmm. I don't like this at all. Yeah. So. You may not know that, but what am I saying? It's been a long time. It's been a long time, but that happened. Well, here we are in the middle of our podcast. After that happened, I have no idea how to get us out of that happened in, <laughs> into the middle. It all feels very just, clunky. Just jump. Just so, jump. Amber. Yeah. I wanted to give you, well, we wanted to give you a space to talk a little bit about something you did, I don't know, a month, was it a month ago? It was right out yeah. a month ago. Yeah, just over a month ago. Uh, we wanted to give you a space to process something you did about a month ago, and so, most of the people listening to this, eh, some of the people listening to this will know mm -hmm. that you spent, what, like eight or ten days in Nicaragua? Uh, not quite a week. Okay, not eight or ten days at all. <laughs> it just felt like a month for you. No, nay. Don't no. tell that story. No, it was fine. <laughs> I, we did fine back here okay. in okay. Iowa. Okay, okay. Uh, but you went with a group from Trinity, from our church, mm -hmm. on what was called a trip of encouragement mm -hmm. for a missionary partner and a ministry, like an organization partner. Yep, right? yep. Tell us a little bit about what where you went and what you did so the ministry partner um that we went down to to see um is an organization called sapod and that organization like sapod is obviously a acronym is it an acronym yeah yeah c-e-p-a-d yeah i don't know what it stands for i can't remember i could look it up but Say pod. <laughs> okay. Okay. Helpful. Yeah. It's like Council of Evangelical Protestant. I don't know. Anyways, so what SAPOD does is um, their focus is going into the rural communities and villages of Nicaragua and helping them to kind of improve their situations. And it's, it's an organization. So what I found really cool about this ministry was that they didn't just come in and just throw a bunch of money at the village and then, and then leave. They, um, they have all sorts of requirements um, that the village has to meet before they can go in. And, and one of the big ones is they cannot be receiving help from any other organization. So they really want to focus on the villages that are getting no support from any, any other, whether it be ministry or um, NGO. Like, so they, they really want to make sure that they're, they're targeting the people like super on the margins, not, um, not being helped on that, but you're motioning to me and I can't understand. I, I am motioning. Sorry. Um, our son is outside yeah. with a cell phone and Bluetooth headphones and it's raining. Yeah. Do we think one of us should 
Like, no. go tell him this will ruin your devices? I mean... Oh, he's coming in. He's taking it off. Now. Okay. He's good. Okay. Fine. Okay. Fine. Well, anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, can I ask a question? Yes. You were talking about how they can't; these villages can't be receiving help from other places. Th yes. This is not like Sepad wants to be the only only helper. This is Sepad's way of saying we're going to make sure we're helping the uh, the ones that are not getting help. Right. Right. Because they don't want to go into a place that's already receiving help, and then there's conflict of like. Right. Well, we showed them this, and we're taking care of that, and then, and then, there's just kind of conflict between the organizations, and then the people are confused. You know, like they are not doing it from a we want to be the sole providers. Right. They're they're wanting to find those villages that are being, in some ways, forgotten yep. or left. Um, yeah. They so. work in economic development, correct? Yeah. So the, the, the really neat thing about SAPOT is that they focus on overall wholeness, not just, oh, here, let's fix this one food insecurity. Let's fix this one, like, housing situation. They're, they're focusing, so they actually have excuse me, five areas that they focus on when they enter into a community. One is like discipleship leadership. So that's um, leadership from a, like a community standpoint, but it's also like discipleship of um, from a scriptural, biblical, almost pastoral level. Um, they, they um, do, they focus on agriculture. So, you know, Farming is a really big thing, but it's not farming as we know it in the Midwest. Um, it's it's like um, it. There's some corn, but it's it's more fruit trees and vegetables and and stuff like that. Um, and then they also focus on family gardening. Um, one of the things that they said was they introduce new um, plants like yeah new kinds of plants to the people who are in each of the programs and they can they show them like up to 29 new plants types of plants so they're really broadening what they can grow um, then they also focus on um, it's called women entrepreneurship so Nicaragua is is very um, what are they uh, Patriarchal. Patriarchal. So the men are very, very dominant. And women are not necessarily um, held to a standard of, like, of leadership. Like, they don't, they're not necessarily allowed in leadership. Like, yeah. Um, so they do a women's entrepreneurship aspect where these women come in with ideas of businesses that they want to start and then they help them get seed money to get started um, some of its loans some of its not but they they really work to get the women the help that they need to get the business started and then the women help like fund like the women that they kind of pay back the loans 
Um, but then it doesn't go back to SayPod. It goes kind of into a, another account to help like move it forward type of thing. Um, and then the, the, the last one that they focus on is um, like youth development, but it's really focused on like the psychosocial piece of it. Um, so um, like drug addiction, alcohol addiction, um, substance abuse is really prevalent. And they kind of took this approach of we don't want to um, we don't want to be reactive and and try to not only help them when they're already addicted, we want to prevent the kids from getting into the addiction. So they really focus on um, like pouring into the kids and this kind of mental, emotional, spiritual aspect of being whole. So they don't, yeah, so they, they wanted to kind of prevent, not just react to. Um, but all, like, all of the people, so the, the leaders of, like, the, the um, psychosocial piece with the kids are people from the village. And so they, they're teaching those specific people. They send them to conferences and they bring in teachers and they teach them how to walk through these things with kids so it's so they're not even like okay here we're gonna fly in these therapists and walk through it with the kids they they say no we're gonna teach the village to be able to you know work through this with the kids so they really focus on the village being able to stand and and grow together without all of this extra like white knight type thing so yeah so so where were you so we were in a village um in pantasma so this is a really remote village um and it's about it's about four hours north of managua so managua is the capital of Nicaragua and so we were about four hours north of that um, in just a really remote village um, on the side of a mountain that yeah they had just gotten electricity um, within the last three months that we were there so that was that's a big deal for yeah them. that's remote remote yeah. yes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um I know you have a lot of stories, mm -hmm. um, and I know you could talk a lot about like what you did and what you saw them do and mm -hmm. what like actual work was going on. I think I want to hear you. I want to ask you to talk about. Um, you already kind of alluded to the like white knight sort mm -hmm. of idea. Oftentimes, mm -hmm. mission trips uh, yeah. kind of fall into this idea of like we Midwestern or we American affluent white people are going to go mm -hmm. like save the day mm -hmm. that was not the point of a trip and and maybe maybe listeners like most people you ran into don't know what a trip of encouragement means mm -hmm. would you talk a little bit about what you learned about that and like what what that means per se yeah so we when we 
originally started planning the trip, um, Seipod was really, really emphasized like, hey, we don't want you to bring a bunch of stuff. We don't want you to come in with these kind of preconceived like, oh, we're going to fix the roof on this house or we're going to... Um, they said, really, we want you to come and just see what we're doing. See the ministry, talk to the people that we're ministering to, talk to the people that are working directly for the ministry. Um, and, and so, you know, we, we talked a lot as a group before we left of like, okay, what does this look like? You know, how, how can we determine if the trip was a success if we don't have this like checkbox of oh we completed the vbs you know um we did this program or that program um and so yeah the the whole idea was just to go to listen and um not try to solve their problems not try to offer advice but just to sit and listen and like, if, if I was honest, I struggled thinking, like, how am, how am I a very affluent, I mean, comparatively a very affluent white American woman, how am I going to go into Nicaragua, which is the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, only behind, only in front of Haiti, how am how how is me going flying all this way down here how is that really an encouragement to the people of Nicaragua how like I think that I I was kind of like you know isn't this going to be insulting to mm. them mm. you know like wouldn't there be some hard feelings of of oh you you just came down here to to see me, you know, like, you know, almost like that, like I'm a zoo animal that you just come to observe. Yeah. And so I, I kind of wrestled with that of like, how, how, what does this look like? You know, I, I've never been on a trip like this. So how, how does that work? And as I got down there and I started listening to people's stories, people both, in in the ministry of Sepad and also um, in within the village that we were staying and we heard heard their stories and heard um, like what um, just what God's doing in their lives and and the journey that they've been on um, it I realized that the encouragement I was providing was not any form of like, hey, good job, you're, you're crushing it. It was, hey, I see you. Hey, I, I, I see you. I hear you. I pray for you. I love you. And I remember you. And it just kind of like struck me how, how the, the, the people in this really remote village just wanted to be known and wanted to know that somebody cared and it didn't matter who it was it was somebody who was willing to sit face to face with them give them a hug and say I see you I, I know you 
And I think back, like, how many times, either in my life or in some of the different interactions I've had in other volunteer situations, how often that comes up Hmm. of, like, people want to be known, people want to be seen, people want to know that someone cares, and 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 that caring doesn't necessarily mean your situation's going to get better. Right. But like you you can you can just kind of sit there and say someone sees me. Someone remembers me. Someone someone cares. And and yeah. And so so that was really kind of this takeaway that I had of like yes, it was a trip of encouragement and the way I encouraged wasn't wasn't with words it was just being willing to sit in their homes eat their food and listen to their stories of of their journey and what god's been doing and how excited they were about you know different aspects of of what's going on in their lives and and allow them the opportunity to show hospitality they were so excited to show hospitality and like, like this is hospitality that, that kind of puts the Western church to shame in some ways I felt because it was like they, they opened their homes and, and like in order to cook for all of us that were there in the village, they would start at like five in the morning cooking us breakfast and and they absolutely you were not allowed to help like they were nope you you didn't help you were our guest you were just to sit and listen and and um and as soon as we got done with breakfast they would clean up the breakfast dishes which again they they really did not want us to help um and then they would start on lunch and we'd no sooner get lunch finished and then they would start on supper and it was like just this i mean it's very labor intensive but like like to hear them like they were singing and they were like yeah they they were just so excited to have people come and stay with them and eat with them and yeah like just just so excited to give everything that they had and more than willing to just be like yes here like <laughs> take it we we're just excited for you to be here and yeah so that was really cool yeah um, you asked a question to your son tonight, um, cause he got back from a trip last week mm-hmm. or this week, yesterday. What mm-hmm. the? Yesterday. yesterday. Uh, so now I'm going to ask you the question that you asked him. Do you remember what you asked him? I don't. You don't? I don't. <laughs> you said, Hey son, got any grapes? No, just kidding. <laughs> you didn't say got any grapes. Uh, you said, what's, how's one way that God showed up? So I'm going to ask that to you from your Nicaragua trip. How would you answer that? Um, so I think God showed up in, in a couple of ways um, for me. One was I was very nervous to go on this trip. I mean, we, we stayed like three days in this really remote village that had just recently gotten electricity. So we're talking very primitive. So I was very nervous. I wasn't I had never traveled to a remote location like this I so I didn't know what to expect I didn't 
I didn't know, you know, what the shower situation, like those are just things that you just don't know. And so I was very nervous about that. And, and God just brought people in the, in, in our team that made it feel comfortable to just be like, yeah, I'm kind of nervous about this. Like to be able to, to name it in a group and not feel like, oh, I don't think I should name this, you know, and, and people, the people that we traveled with were just, it was a safe space. It was, yeah, I don't know how else to describe it other than, than feeling a, a safe place to name hard things. Um, uh, another thing was that one of the people that traveled with us had some very hard moments um, from like an emotional panic type space. And I found myself interacting with that person more than I, I've ever interacted with. I, I'm an introvert by nature. What? And what? <laughs> I know, hard to believe. Um, and so usually it's not that I don't want to connect with people. I just, it's very hard. Um, and I'm, I'm, I lean more towards like being quiet and in my own space. Um, but I just found like kind of drawn to this person of like, hey, like, I'll just sit by you. And like, I'm not going to point out anything to you. I'm not going to like say anything, you know, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to make you laugh. And, you know, we're just going to kind of be together and, and, and not have any form of agenda, but just, just sit next to them, you know? And so I, I felt like that God was showing up in a way of like pushing me out of my comfort zone, but clearly giving me the leadings and promptings and nudgings that I needed in those moments to be able to do that. Because I think back now, like, I don't, I don't know how I did it. I don't, that's, that's very kind of out of character in some ways for me. And so, yeah. You're you're right. Compassion is way out of character for you. But acting on the compassion is out of character. Okay, that's fair. In person. You're very compa- you're a very compassionate human. But I want to do it from a distance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so um and then the other the other way that I saw God showing up was um through this ministry of SAPOD. Um so in order in order to be a part of the SAPOD ministry, they did not require any form of um, commitment to the local church. That they, they were very clear, like, hey, we are a Christian organization and we will talk about, you know, the Bible and we will pray and we will do these things, but we're not going, we're not going to say that it's prohibitive if you don't go to church. So one of the host families did not go to church. And like when, when conversations were brought up about it, there was a very like, nope, 
they kind of shut it down the, the host family and and it was like it's okay like they kind of said it's okay like they don't they don't have to be a part of the church um but we we welcome them and and we will still speak the word to them but we're not going to say oh you have to you know so that there's not this like insider outsider type thing um but the people like they would tell their stories of of how god was working in the ministry or working through them in their families and it was just really cool to see to hear those stories and to hear the faithfulness and we got to um worship on sunday with with the village in their in their church and like so it's all in spanish and i don't speak spanish and they they it it was the most free authentic worship that i i think i maybe have ever experienced um like many people just tears just streaming down their face and like i have no idea what they were singing or what they were talking but the emotion of these men and women and it was it was incredible it was really really incredible so that's cool i i love the i know this might be controversial to in some circles but i love the idea that they're gonna support people that that even they're even going to support people that are not Christians. Mm -hmm. I, I think what I love about that is the idea that a community cannot thrive if you only support and build up Christians. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the community, yeah. the community thrives when everybody thrives. Right. 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 Or the community flourishes when everybody flourishes mm -hmm. and Christians flourish when everybody like, right. There's, you can't, yeah. you can't. Yeah. yeah. I think too often here in, in America, we would say, Oh gosh, we just we have to help. We're gonna help the Christians. Christians, the, the church helps yeah. Christians. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What What else do you want to say? Open mic. <laughs> um, I think I think the other thing I would say is I I was very thankful for the opportunity to go on this trip and I would I would um, encourage anyone that has an opportunity to go on a trip that has has no agenda other than to sit and listen and be present I think I think there is something in that mindset of saying okay we're gonna go on this trip but th there is no agenda of, of building a house or of you know taking care of the kids or you know doing bibles not saying that that stuff is wrong um but there is definitely a different mindset of the person um of, of you going um, and your experience is is very different 
when you um, when you go with the mindset of I'm I'm just going to sit and listen and be and yep. and yeah. So I I would just encourage anyone who had that opportunity to to do that. Yeah, that's cool. That uh, seems like a pretty foreign concept even for me, but I but I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. I know that you've got lots more to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. But do you want to say, like, if you want to know more, shoot me a text message yeah. or give me a phone call or hit me up for some coffee? Yeah. Don't call me. Send me a text message first. <laughs> Don't call me. <laughs> Yeah, maybe don't call me. <laughs> Text me first. Text before or email. You, yeah, first, and then we yes, can, we can yes. set up a time. Yeah. Okay. That's totally fine. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Amber, for yeah. sharing yeah. your trip. Thanks for giving me the space. So, the last segment. Arguably my favorite segment. It's, yeah, it's a... It's a solid segment. Yeah. Solid segment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Listen to us. We're not biased. So <laughs> this thing that we created, it really is it's our amazing. Favorite. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. Um, so, Kurt. Yeah. What's reading? That's a good question. I'm actually reading a few books at the moment. Uh, I'm actually reading a few books. Well, well, actually. Well, actually. Actually. Well, actually. I'm reading a book called Self-Compassion by mm -hmm. Kristen Neff. Um, I don't do self-compassion well. Um, culturally, we don't do self-compassion well. Well, I don't know about culturally, but I have a hard time. <laughs> I have a hard time giving myself compassion. I do not have a hard time extending compassion to you or to someone else. And like, if, if I'm, if I'm faith-walking, walk, faith coaching someone... Or a friend, like, I extend compassion really well, I think, mm -hmm. just not to myself. Right. So this book is really making a case for, you know, why is self-compassion important? It even gets into, like, why is self-compassion more important than self-esteem? And mm -hmm. how do we generate self-compassion? And maybe what I want to say as, like, a, a plug for the... It is a very good book, but it is very difficult. It's ve it stirs up a lot. Mm -hmm. Stirs up a lot of emotions. Uh, stirs up a lot of, like, you know, self-work to do. Mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the first chapters ends with, a, with an exercise where uh, the author invites the reader to make a list of things they judge themselves for. Mm -hmm. Whether it's, like, you know, intellect or appearance mm -hmm. or how well they do in a social what, what things we judge ourselves for we all have them mm -hmm. right uh which that's easy like i can tell you all day the <laughs> things i judge myself mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. the second part of the exercise was to then write a letter to yourself from the perspective of one of your friends about those things mm. the point being we none of us would say harsh things to our friends right None of us would have anything but compassion for our friends. If, if one of my closest friends came to me and said, hey, 
man, I'm really bad at this, or I hate this about myself, or this is no good, we would all say, whoa, hold on a second. Let's, let's maybe wonder if that's true, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But we are, I am so quick to say things to myself that I would never say to you mm-hmm. or to another friend. So mm-hmm. that's maybe where the bulk of the work for me is, is like, why do I say things about myself mm-hmm. that I would never say to another human being? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Read it slow. It's a good read. It's worth a read. I, I gather, so we talk about Brene Brown quite a, maybe not on the podcast, but Brene mm-hmm. Brown is like the shame and guilt guru. Mm-hmm. Um, I gather that Kristen Neff is sort of, uh, you know, Kristen Neff is to self-compassion as Brene Brown is to guilt and shame. I see. So it's really good. It's worth a read, but uh, reader beware. You'd be ready to do some <laughs> self-work. Okay. Okay. So Amber, yeah, what's reading? So I just finished this book just yesterday. Um, it's called "Leaving Egypt: Finding God in the Wilderness Places" by Chuck DeGroat. We're big Chuck DeGroat fans. We are. We are. Yes. Um, but this is this is a book um, looking at the the Israelites exodus from Egypt into the wilderness and their stay in the wilderness and how important it is that we need to be in the wilderness sometimes. And by wilderness, it's not like, oh, shucks, I didn't get the shoes I wanted. It's like, sometimes we have to go through some pretty hard stuff and and how you know like the importance of going through that hard stuff and yeah so um chuck degrode is a he's an author but he's also like a counselor and a teacher and you know so he he talks a lot about different scenarios that he's counseled in and and a lot of like personal struggles that he has and how he's like yeah I needed this wilderness to understand and, and like, like we all, we judge the Israelites real, real harshly on like, how could you say that Egypt would be better? And how could you say like, you know, if we were them, we wouldn't have wanted that. But Chuck Groat writes like, no, we all still do that. These, these, habits that we have and the, you know like we still do that and you know like we wouldn't have necessarily made any better decision than the Israelites would have so yeah it's just a really uh interesting um and and a little there's a, there is some like self-work in there of of how how do you ve- how do you view your wilderness and what can you glean in those wilderness times? And um, yeah, it's just really good. So yeah, Leaving Egypt by Chuck DeGroat. All right. Yeah. Well, apologies to our listeners for Amber's language when she said shucks. Language, Amber. What? You said shucks. I didn't get oh. the shoes I wanted. <laughs> could you like give a... Could you give a listener warning? I know there are little kids that listen to this. Come on now. 
Oh, we yes. have to put the E next to Yes, our... now we have to put the E. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. this is fun. We should yes. do this again. We should. Uh, before six months. Yes. We should do this like in a, in a week. Yeah, we should. Let's do it. Okay. We should make a date night out of it. Hey! hey! On that note. On that note. Till next time. Till next time. The Date Night Podcast was written and presented by Amber and Kurt. Produced by Kurt and Amber. Intro music and interlude selected by Amber and Kurt. Editing by Kurt and Amber. Logo and thumbnail created by Amber and Kurt. Research and fact-checking done by Kurt and Amber. This has been a production of Amber and Kurt.